Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Did he show you his license? Did he no. show you his license? So you have no idea who the guy is, where he lives? Did you take the a only... picture of the tag of the car? No. I pretty much all I had was, I know, I know it's horrible. This is the plaintiff, Jessica Toothman. She says she and the defendants got into a fender bender. The accident was their fault, and she wants the $3,251.17 in damages, which they refuse to pay. That's why she's suing them. These are the defendants, T.K. Olivari and Lindy Mills. Lindy says the plaintiff admitted 100% fault at the time of the wreck. Her car was already banged up from a prior accident, and the plaintiff owes them money for the damages she was the cause of. They're accused of banging up a Subaru. The defendants have filed a countersuit for $3,594.88 for the damage to their vehicle. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Toothman, you and Mr. Olivari, who was driving Ms. Mills' car, I guess, got into an accident. What time of the night was it? About 10.30 at night. And what happened? So I was heading home. Um, I was about two blocks away from my house when I was going to make a left-hand turn and collided with the defendant who pulled up from a stop sign. Okay. So you provided this sketch, helpful sketch, into evidence. Who would be in red and who would be in green? I'm in green and they are in red. Okay, so according to you, he's at a stop sign, and then what happens? He runs a stop sign? What is it you're saying? So he was going to make, from what I've understood, he was going to make a left-hand turn off of the street. I was going to make a left-hand turn on two. And if you look at the other evidence of the pictures, you'll see that they pushed the stop sign back on that street for the reason that this situation does not happen so that there isn't a collision because of the angle of the street. So according to you, the accident is his fault? Yes. Now, here is a picture of your car. And where was the damage? So if you look at in that picture, yeah. So what happened is there's a bull bar in the front. And if you see, it's only on the driver's side, mostly that it's pushed. It got pushed in when I collided with his car. Right. And what ended up happening yeah, it's mostly was on the were... driver's side. And I'm sure you're saying that that's because he pulled out. And I'm sure I'm going to hear from him. Mr. Olivari, whose fault was the accident? What happened? Uh, so when I was at the stop sign, it's a blind turn. So you actually do have to pull up in front of the stop sign to be able to see where the cars are coming from. And 
Um, so when I pulled up there, she was taking the turn way too tight, um, and she just didn't see me at all and just took the turn really tight and ran into the, uh, the passenger side to of the car. To where your car was. Right. Where yeah. did the accident happen? Um, in the middle of the road, on the road she was on, or near the road you were on? So I wasn't even out into the street of the of where she was on is, I guess, uh, 35th or whatever. I, I wasn't even out into the street. I was. So you weren't on 35th. You okay. were just like an inching, and she cut it too close. So you say the accident was her fault. All right. Why didn't y'all call the police? So we both got out of the car. I he we asked each other if we were okay and everything like that. He had mentioned to me that this was this that his girlfriend was going to kill him because this was the second time he had damaged her car. Um, I let him know that I was in a previous accident where I was rear-ended and that car was totaled. So I just bought this car a month and a half, a little bit under a month and a half prior to this accident. Okay, so, so if you don't call the police, what was everybody's plan? That you guys would do what? So, Did you so get their insurance happened, information that night? So here's the thing is that night what happened was the first thing he did was we asked each other if we're okay. He asked me if he could use my phone, which I thought was kind of weird because I don't know anybody who doesn't have a cell phone. Right. So while he was using my phone, I went back to my car, ripped off like a piece of paper. I wrote down my name, my phone number, and my address for him. He did you give him your insurance information? Me, I believe so, yes. He didn't even give me his name. And then I had... Right. No Did you ask him for his name him. since seeing as the accident was his fault and all? Yes. Yeah. I asked him for that and the insurance information. And because he said it was his girlfriend's car, he kind of acted like he didn't know where that information was. And I'm like, okay, well, can you look in the glove compartment or so he didn't really give me his information. I gave him my information and he told me that he would basically have his girlfriend contact me because it was her car. Well, well, that, you know, if you think the accident is his fault and you're not getting any information at the scene, wouldn't it be the prudent thing to just say, let's just call the cops? Especially when you think that the accident's not your fault. If you think the accident's your fault, then don't call the cops. But if you think the accident is the other person's fault and the other person has zero information to give you, you may never see them again. So why yeah. would you not call the cops? So it was, uh, it's 1030 at night. I literally was two blocks away from my house. He told me he was heading home as well. I figured since I did the right thing and gave him my information and that I had. Did you, did he show you I his license? Did he no. show you his license? So you have no idea who the guy is, where he lives. Did you take the a only... picture of the tag of the car? No, I pretty much all I had was, I know, I know it's horrible. I, like I said, I just bought the car. I was really upset that that even happened. Yeah, that's all the more reason to call the police. Have the, right. the, you know, don't let the guy leave without taking a picture of his license. Take a picture of the car with the tag. Because if you decide, oh, let's just exchange information. We don't have to call the police. It's 1030 and I'm tired. All right. Or lazy. Um, whichever the case may be. Then at least exchange information. So that tomorrow, yeah. when you're fresh and perky, you can follow it up, but you had nothing. Well, what ends up happening? Ms. Mills, this is where you get involved. Do you end up calling her? So he didn't have his phone because he just ran to the grocery store real quick, and sometimes you don't take your phone when you do that. Um, and so he used her phone to call me, and he called me several times, but I was in the kitchen doing dishes, and my phone was in a different room. 
Um, so when he got home and busted in the door and said, why didn't you answer your phone? I was like, oh my God, what happened? He said, this girl just Oh, you got some nerve. Wait, Mr. Olivari came <laughs> into the house and <laughs> yelled at you for not answering your phone. <laughs> oh, the guy who had no, just gotten no, your car no, hit no. for the second time. <laughs> Hey, okay, so I didn't yell at her. I was just frustrated because the reason why I was calling her so many times was because I wanted to, I didn't, couldn't find her information, her insurance information in the car and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you need to get down here. We could take pictures of this accident and all this stuff. I was trying to ask her what she wanted to do. You want to call the cops, yada, yada, yada. And uh, so I was trying to call her, you know, over and over again. And we just decided not to or whatever, just because we're neighbors, you know, and, you know, she was, she was like, when it happened, she was all, you know, sorry because it was her fault. She didn't see me. She thought these lights uh, in the neighbor's yard were my headlights or whatever. So I was just like, listen, you know, it's fine. I live right down the street. Whatever, we, I'll give you. I don't. I can't find the information, you know. But here's a. Uh, so that's here's, why you when know, you were saying that your neighbors, you didn't know each other before this, but you. No, it turns out no, you live very, very close. Okay. Yeah, and really in fact, Ms. Mills, when you finally talked to her, is it that night or is it the next day? It was that night. I called her right away. And what happened? I said, what happened? She said, oh my God, I am so sorry. She said, I saw your headlight or the headlights of the car and I thought that the headlights were the lights on this house shining. Um, and she said she just turned right into him and she didn't see him at all. She was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't see him at all. It's 100% my fault. I promise I will take care of this. And I told her, this has happened before. The other person said the same thing and they didn't do that. I was like, do I have your word? She said, yes, I promise I have your word. She was so sincere and so nice. And I was, I so tried you to got burned a... twice, twice. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. See, Unfortunately. Why don't you just say to her, listen, I'm going to, I'd like to tape you so that we know that you're going to take care of this and then we'll just figure it out. Uh, neighbor. I should and have and I will her. next time. Yeah. Okay, so then will. what happens? You were so excited that what? What were you going to say? To have a friend in the neighborhood. She was so nice. And I was like, oh, cool. Now we know someone else in the neighborhood. <laughs> like, she seemed so convincing. I really didn't think it was a problem. And then I even told her in my first text message to her, hey, don't worry about the body damage. My car has other scratches on it. It's not a big deal. Like, I'll cover the, dam the body damage for you if you could just fix whatever is like the main problem so that my car runs good again. I'll look past the, you know, like the cosmetic part of it. And that was my first message to her and I was so nice. And then eventually she started seeming kind of like she was gonna lie about it or she wasn't sure what happened or changing her story. So the next morning I went Do you have any text from her where she admits fault? No, I don't. And I actually, okay. later in our messages where I was understanding that she was trying to flip her story I was like well you know this is your fault right and she never would actually say that it was her fault but I did say did um, you ever make you know, a claim against her insurance company both of the insurance companies ended up getting involved and they did an investigation and they said that they couldn't determine what happened so our insurance company paid for ours and I assume hers paid for hers and then we thought it was I mean did your insurance company pay for the damage to your car or you had uh, you didn't have collision I had collision. My insurance, uh, what happened was they deemed specific damage. So the mechanical damage, they deemed coincidental to the accident. But the thing about that is I bought the car a month before and I had a mechanic 
thoroughly look at the car, and I even submitted that report as well. Well, on you the do car, have some strange which, things. Yeah, right. But you have do you do have some strange things that you are adding on to the tab that you want them to pay, like a worn plate. You know, th that stuff doesn't sound like it no, happened in so an accident. No, so that's but that's my question what was, was the, well, that's what's between you and your insurance company. They didn't pay it. That doesn't magically make it their fault. You still have to yeah. if you come into court and you've got this lawsuit against them, they counterclaimed against you for their damages, each of you to win your respective lawsuits would have to prove to me that it happened in the way that you and only you are singing. It has to only have happened the way you're saying for each of you to, to win your lawsuits. Look, the bottom line is, you know, this is why it's really important to have good insurance, because accidents happen. Mercifully, nobody got hurt in this case. That's a good thing, but you, took it upon yourself not only to not pay for their damages, but then to turn around and sue them, and now they're counterclaiming you for their damages, which they had already had covered by the insurance, so they, they figured, you know, no harm, no foul, I made a new friend, and then now they're suing you for the damage. That's pretty good. I gotta tell you, Ms. Mills, I'm impressed with your industry in uh, going out there. You gotta up your game, Mr. Oliveri, okay? If you're gonna be with Ms. Mills, you cannot be running in there yelling at her, expecting her to, to try to produce the evidence in this case. Up your game, man. All right. But um, this is why you call the cops at night, you know, so that the cops can write down exactly what it is that everybody's saying and people can't wiggle, they don't have wiggle room to say something else later. So on your lawsuit against Mr. Oliveri, I am finding in Mr. Oliveri's favor. In Mr. Oliveri, Ms. Mills' lawsuit against you, I am finding in your favor. Neither of you, I believe, are, be able, are able to prove by preponderance of the evidence that the accident is the other person's fault. There are no other witnesses to see it. That's my verdict. Good luck to all of you. Neither party wins. They're both losers. So let's start with Ms. Toothman. You're the plaintiff. Ma'am, you were suing them for $3,200. You didn't get anything. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think the judge really looked at the positioning of the stop sign and where it was. I mean, had the plaintiff been where he was supposed to be behind the stop sign, it would have been impossible for me to hit him. Um, but she didn't want to hear me, so. <laughs> Bottom line, you just didn't have enough evidence to support your story with her. That's really what it comes down to, unfortunately. And it's the same thing for the defendants, Mr. Oliveri and Ms. Mills. You lost your suit, too. What um, do you think? The bottom line is we don't really even care. It was over a year ago, a year and four months ago. This has been put in the past for a long time, so we're fine with that. We didn't really expect to get any money out of it, so mm -hmm. we're just glad that it's all over, and we hope that we could still be good friends with Jessica and have a person that we know in the neighborhood. Well, very good. I'm sure everybody watching learned something out of this as well. No question about it. Marilyn, I don't often disagree with you. Certainly not in public, okay? <laughs> I tell maybe privately once in a while. But on this one, I really thought that the defendants had presented enough evidence to carry the day by a little bit uh, on the counterclaim. Uh, just because I thought Ms. Hill's testimony was pretty compelling. And she yeah. said, uh, look, I talked to her on the phone. This is what she said. This is how she said it. And That's why I think it's just so important to have the police there that night that's documenting the real, that's everything. That's the real lesson here. It I mean, freezes everything. In, not only that, you don't get in these little fender benders for that reason because you want to have the police there and you want to make sure you don't get hurt on the liability side. But the other thing is sometimes people come up with mysterious neck injuries or back injuries right. from a, a, an accident that looks really innocuous where, right. where you're thinking, God, we're barely moving. 
and you know it's a tiny mark on somebody's bumper. Just call the police and wait right? for the police. I mean, unless they have a warrant out for you, what would be the reason? Right. What are you so busy doing that you can't wait? Uh, absolutely, and yeah. let them sort it out, and then nobody gets in trouble, and you certainly don't get in an accident and not get the name of the oh person who, who ran into you or who you ran Especially into. Especially if you think they're at fault. You don't even follow them home. Yeah, you I, don't get the plate. Yeah, you I get kind of, nothing. In my calculus, I credited that against the plaintiff as yeah. well in this case. Because I'm thinking to myself, if you have one tiny little shred of doubt that it's not 100% your fault, you damn well drive away with the phone number, the name, rank, and serial number of whoever was yep. the, yep. yep. the other part. So Larry wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. When you loan a friend money, how much interest are you legally allowed to charge? Uh, in many states, the limit is 10%. Uh, after that, it's usury, and then you can't collect any. However, it can change from state to state. Go online, look at what your state limits you. It's different from credit cards. Look at what it limits personal loans, and that is your limit. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the plaintiff, Marie Taylor. She says she paid $5,000 to the defendant for her 80th birthday party celebration. That never happened due to the pandemic, and he refuses to give her a refund. The defendant should understand the circumstances of life right now, and if he needs the judge to tell him to return her money, then so be it. That's why she's suing. This is the defendant, Daniel Akalov. He says he's happy to change the date of the party for the plaintiff, but she won't budge. It's like buying an airline ticket. If you don't get on the plane, they don't refund your money. This is the same thing. He's accused of refusing a refund. All parties, please hit your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff says she can't get the defendant to pay her back the five grand that she gave him for her 80th birthday. But the defendant says he's happy to have the plaintiff's party on another date, but he's not going to give her a refund. It's the case of 80 is the new lawsuit. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Taylor, so you were going to have a nice big 200 and something person party for your 80th? And your 60th yes. wedding anniversary, correct? Yes, yes. Nice, yes, correct. okay. Okay, and Mr. Akaloff, you are the owner of the venue called Floral Terrace, and that's where she was going to have her party, right? 
Yes, yes, Your Honor. You you were correct with the question. Yes. And how much was that party going to cost her? Total amount of the party would have been twenty three dollars to twenty twenty five dollars with the taxes. Okay, so it was over twenty thousand dollars. And what, according to the contract, which she signed when in October of twenty nineteen, right? Um, yes. Yes. This was for her 80th birthday and the 60th wedding anniversary for 225 guests. Now, that's just the venue, correct? That's not any of the food or anything else, or is it just the venue? What is it? Pretty much everything, including the food, the venue. Oh, okay, okay. It was a buffet. It was not your typical uh, way of doing the catering uh, parties. It was more of a buffet. All right, so Uh, now, Ms. Taylor, uh, you were planning the party nice and early, a good year and a half beforehand, and then what happened? Okay, I planned it, and I put a deposit $500 down on it, right? And then he said, they said, I have to do a payment of $1,500 for February on to August. So I have put down only four payments because the pandemic came and I was called them and I called them, nobody answered, right? And I went over there to a couple times, nobody was there. So when I did get in touch with him, I don't know who was, it was the first was our gentleman. He said, well, if you cancel out, you have to pay us more money, at least $11,000. So you have decided to sue now because you've decided that it's not safe for you to have a party two months from now. No, it's not. And I even did not say, I was even trying to get my uh, shot, my uh, vaccine. And you can't even get that. So I know it's not going to be ready for no party, not for no 200 people. Because most of my right. friends are old in the 80s, you know? So right. it's not going to be safe for me or anybody else. So that's why I right. decided. But you know. here's the thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mr. Akalov, she started asking for her money back in the middle of the pandemic because she, you know, is she's seeing the writing on the wall or whatever. Did you have any discussions with her then about how you folks could uh, resolve this? Yes, uh, we actually spoke to her. We actually spoke to her attorney as well, who uh, we gave him a couple of options. One of the options was, A, they rebook a date. Uh, B, we would offer a particular settlement if they want their money right now. Or C, just wait until the party happens, and if it doesn't happen, we refund your money in full as the way we do with everyone else. Here's the thing, Ms. Taylor. What he's saying is right. It is fair. Because the problem is, and I, I, I know that we have all been beaten down by COVID so much. We Every time there's a little inkling of hope, something else happens to yank it right out of our souls. I get it. You know, right now where we stand is I know that if your party were today, he'd have to refund your money Mm -hmm. because I know you can't have a 225 person party today. You are in one of the zones where you can't do that. So, of course, the venue can't say to you, oh, have a 100 person party or have a 50 person party. It can't change your contract. If when March 21st comes around, that venue cannot hold a 225-person party, which you will know from whatever the governor decides, right? Then you get all of your money back, just like he said. I am a glass-half-full person. I have faith that this is going to change. So I think you're kind of in, you know, the driver's seat, but you better feel lucky. 
So right now, as far as this lawsuit is concerned, I can't tell them you have breached that contract. When you come to court, you have to be able to show, you can't just say, hey, I changed my mind because I don't think it's safe to have a party. My friends aren't going to come. That doesn't entitle you to a refund. You have a contract with some very specific clause. It's actually a great contract. I don't know what lawyer wrote that, but it's, you know, it, it has very specific, if this, then that. If it's 75, you know, it's 75% back to you. If it's this much before, it's this back to you. It's only the deposit. If we're this, if I can't book it again, which you wouldn't be, you know, it's only this much. There's all, there's a lot going on here, but none of it is ripe. When you go to court, cases have to be ripe. And what that means is that they're ready to be litigated. You are asking me to find that in the future he won't be able to have the party and he will have to breach. I can't do that. I can't do that. So I'm going to have to, I'm, what I'm going to do with your lawsuit is I am going to dismiss it without prejudice. That means you can bring this lawsuit up again when it's ripe. When you know from the governor's order that he can't have a 225-person party. Now, I am sure that you are a busy man, Mr. Akalov, and I am sure that, um, because I know that you were willing to do that before, that maybe, maybe, she's actually in more of a driver's seat today as we get closer to March than she was when you and her lawyer spoke a few months ago or whatever. So perhaps you folks might want to talk to each other again and see if you can't come up with some amicable resolution that doesn't have to wait till March and you don't end up having to return the entire amount, but she doesn't end up too hurt. That's entirely up to you guys. That has nothing to do with me. As far as this litigation is concerned, I am dismissing it without prejudice. That means you're more than happy, more than more than able to file it again when you actually have a case, which would be once there's a governor's order saying he can't have a party for 225 people. Because once that happens, then he can't charge you for having a party for more than 200, for 225 people because he would be in breach. Even though it's no fault of your own, you get it. A lot of venues don't get it, and they fight tooth and nail, but he gets it. If he can't perform through no fault of yours, he has to give you your whole amount back. All right. So as to this lawsuit today, it's dismissed without prejudice to you bringing it up again. Good luck, folks. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Marie, we'll talk. All right. I, you know, I've been trying to get in touch with you all. And uh, one girl I got in touch with, and he, she said that, you know, they weren't doing anything. So I don't know. No, oh, Marie, you know we're not. We're, would we do it the right way, Marie? We wouldn't let you... This is not our money. It doesn't belong to us. You know, there's just an order of things that our lawyers have us follow. So we just have to follow the right. protocol. And you're very important to us. And uh, everybody likes you as a human being as well. You're very sweet. But if you can see what we have to deal with, and these other catering halls are literally not giving back a dime for any, anyone. We're planning to give back everybody their last dime in their due time. But it's very hard to come up with all of these funds when it just hits you in the head like a ton of bricks and you're in this position. But we are going to be doing the right thing. We're not different types of catering halls that just file bankruptcy and then go run after us in court. We're here and, and we'll do the right thing by you. Well, 
We just heard a very interesting discussion between the two litigants in this case. That's fascinating. Uh, Mr. Akalov is obviously well willing to work with the plaintiff. I hope she understands. He seems like a really nice guy. Uh, Mr. Akalov, I don't have any questions for you. You've already said everything that I would have asked you. I think the question now is to ask Ms. Taylor. Ms. Taylor, are you satisfied? Uh, you understand you filed the case too soon. So there's been no decision okay. from the judge. Okay? All right. All right. Uh, I'm willing fact, to work with him. So congratulations. You're working with somebody pretty decent. Mr. Akalov, congratulations to you, too. And Thank thanks. you very much. You decided the case based on ripeness, which refers to the readiness of a claim to be litigated and determined by, by a judge or jury. And certainly when, there's, when a claim like the plaintiffs in this case rests on contingent future events that might or might not occur, it's not ripe. A judge really can't rule on it. A jury can't rule on it. And it's just going to have to wait for another day, right? Right. And imagine if he had to, you know, if everybody could just predict what was going to happen in March, he'd have to be paying out all that money all at once. Right. He doesn't have to pay out that money right. until it's clear the party can't happen in March. And it may be clear in the middle of February. There may be an order that covers that date, right. you know, that comes down in the, you know, sure. but, but that order is not in place right now. Uh -uh. And we don't know what tomorrow brings. But I have to right. say, this guy, Mr. Akalov, what a class act. No, yeah, he's trying he gets to run it. a business through an impossible time where I'm sure he's gotten just slaughtered because... How do you run a venue like that in, in, in the midst of what's going on right now with the viral pandemic? And he's, he's ready to And you've seen how many cases like this we've had where they right. say, no, that's an act of God. I'm not responsible. They right. just don't get that, no. hey, the act of God prevented you from right. doing it. Right. She doesn't eat the act of God. You eat the act of God. Right. But seriously, a class act for handling it the way he did. So. And, I, and I have to tell you, I hope that she thinks about just postponing. Right. Yeah. Because... This virus has taken enough yeah. from us. Right. And I am a big fan of, you know, take it back. Your 80th birthday and your 60th wedding anniversary, right. that's big. Yes. That is big. That's huge. I was doing a little back of the envelope math on the whole 60th <laughs> wedding anniversary thing. Uh, I would have to live to be 92, I think, <laughs> to, to get to that number. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, nobody, none of us expect to be here that long. That's a nice, but, that's, uh, a, that's something yeah. worth celebrating. And something no, worth is celebrating a, is worth yeah. deferring and celebrating when you can celebrate right. it the way you want to. But of course, right. that's her decision. A tremendous blessing, though, yeah. for it her. It is a blessing. And to be married for that long as well. Joanne wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. A collection agency called asking for my first husband, who I haven't spoken to since 1979. I'm dumbfounded and don't know what to do. Should I return the call, ignore it, or something else. Depends on how you feel about that ex-husband. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm serious. If it's 1979, I don't see how any debt collector, first of all, has any right to anything because the statute of limitations would have run decades ago. But no, you have no duty to contact the debt collection agency. And that will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. These are the plaintiffs, Patrick and Elizabeth Stegles. Patrick says their former landlord is ignoring their requests for their security deposit to be returned, despite the fact they left the apartment in excellent condition. They're not about to be ripped off by the likes of the defendant and are suing for the return of their hard-earned $1,000. This is the defendant, Chad Henry. 
He says the plaintiffs got into a beef with a neighbor, and the windows of his apartment were smashed. They also trashed the apartment. And it's laughable they're coming after him today for their security, which was used to make the repairs to the place. He's accused of ripping off renters. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs say the low-down, dirty defendant is refusing to return money to them, which is rightfully theirs, but the defendant says the plaintiffs trashed his place, and they have some nerves suing him for money they simply are not owed. It's the case of ripping off renters. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stagels, you rented an apartment from Mr. Henry, correct? Yes, ma'am. And you were living there how long? About 11 months. 11 months. And then what happened? We found uh, a better, uh, more suitable house with a yard, and we acted fast on it. And we uh, told Chad within, you know, we told him 28 days before that we were moving. We had an open-end date on our contract, and so we utilized that to move out when we needed to. Right. You have a you have a month-to-month contract, which requires 30 days, not 28 days. Um, so according to you, you told him when? Uh, 28 days, four weeks before we moved what, out. What's the actual date? I have it on my phone here. It's uh, July 14. Yes, okay. Ma'am. When was the rent payable? Was it on the first of the month? 10th. 10th. Okay. So you were four days shy of the full rental period. The idea is that you're supposed to give 30 days notice. You're supposed to say it by the 10th, the month before, so he has a full 30 days in order to rent it out. Now, Mr. Henry, according to you, it was inadequate notice because it was four days shy of the 30 days? It was in, it was in, in inadequate notice. But according to you, they also left the place... Uh, how much was the rent, by the way? The rent was how much a month? 1000 1000 Okay. And then, according to you, they also left the place in, a, in, in an unacceptable fashion, correct? Yeah, so broken windows, broken tiles. Uh, basically, all the, the window treatments have been removed. Uh, what the... happened to this window? That was during, uh, I was rearranging the house to, to move a couch in there, and one of the edges hit that window. And, so and you just I... left it that way? So when you say moving in a couch, that means you lived with it open like that all that time? I tried over a period of time to get it all out, but I uh, obviously that's as best as I could I could get to it without damage. Wait, it's not a matter of getting it all out. It's a matter of getting it repaired, sir. If you broke it, you're supposed to get it repaired because somebody's got to get it repaired. Is this a different window or the same window, Mr. Henry? That's, that's, that's the glass in the bottom between the two windows. A screen that's popped out. What is this? That's uh, the that's door the busted? Door. But I actually put double shocks on it, and they managed to break both shocks. What's this oh, picture awning. of? That's, that's the awning. Uh, I don't know what they did to that. It was broken when we moved in. And we could see it was very flimsy, so I tried to secure it back up to the house, but every time any of the those uh, winds coming off the lake would come through, it would shake it. And so um, I, I'm guessing after we left, it must have fell down even further. Is, did it look this way when you guys moved out, Mrs. Stagel? I honestly can't remember, but it was in pretty bad condition when we moved in. Did you guys take pictures when you moved in of everything that was in bad condition? I mean, we did the walkthrough with him and pointed things out, and he noted even the tile that was cracked and loud he was going to That wasn't it, my question. My, my question is, did you keep a record of everything that was wrong with it so that you wouldn't get blamed for it? 
No, ma'am. No, but we did take pictures. You guys, anytime. Right, but take pictures whenever you get to a new apartment. You want to take pictures of every little thing that's wrong with it to make sure that if the day comes and you have to fight for a security deposit, you don't, you're, you don't get blamed for a prior tenant's thing. You see what I'm saying? You want to mm-hmm. take the pictures of it because if all you got is you saying, I told him I showed it to him, and then he says, no, you didn't. You guys broke it. Where are you going to go from there? So what you do is you take either a video with your phone very slowly of everything that's wrong with it, and you and, and the best tenants will just send all of it by email to the landlord to show, hey, I'm not complaining about this scratch or that scratch. I just don't want to get blamed for it. But either way, take the pictures when you move in. Um, because if not, and, and be able to prove that that's when those pictures were taken. So that's why you send an email back at move-in so that there's no question that you don't get blamed for something. Was it that way when you gave it to them, Mr. Henry, the uh, awning? No. no, not at all. What's with the door, Ms. Stagel? Uh, I took I took it off the hinge so I could move stuff from the basement out. Oh, well, that works for you. And then what'd you do afterwards? You just left it like that for someone else to put it back on? I was frustrated because of no contact with uh, Chad. So I just kind of left it. What, how did this crack happen? This is at the foot of that the was stairs. Like that. That it was, was like that when we moved in. Mr. Henry, was it like that when you rented it to them? That, that particular one, I'm not sure. Uh, the, other, the other ones that I showed you definitely were not. Which other ones? I think I These. said some other pictures like that. That definitely was not like that. Yeah. This is next to the they, refrigerator. Was this? That's, that's next they to were the, previously the cracked, stove. but they got worse over time. This is kind of academic, to be honest with you, because you yourselves have admitted that you didn't give 30 days notice. I mean, you filed this lawsuit, but you know that the law requires 30 days notice. If it's 30 days, it's 30 days. That's what, and that's what your contract says, 30. So you acted quickly because you got a good opportunity. That's fine. I understand that. But why doesn't that cost you? Why does that have to cost him his rights? I'm not saying he, we are owed all the money. We just had no communication with him to find, to work out at, uh, uh, move out. uh, yeah, move out cost. I mean, if he wanted something, this yeah, but, or that fix, and we could. Oh no! See, he's he he's not suing you. He doesn't have a counterclaim against you for the damages. He's just no. saying, number one, they owe me the money because they didn't give me thirty days' notice. But by the way, judge, look at all this damage. He's not counterclaiming you. He's just saying, no, "Wow, you got a lot of you got a lot of gall asking me for the thousand when you know you didn't give me the thirty days." A contract is a contract. It's not like, hey, but I abided by the contract a little. I only breached a little, so give me some of my money back. If you breach, you breach, and that's all there is to it. My verdict in this case is for the defendant. So the defendant prevails in this case, Mr. Stegels. Let me ask you, what are you thinking right now? Chad knows what type of landlord he is, so I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you left the place, you left a lot of things undone, leaving doors off, not repairing windows and things like that. Don't you feel kind of bad about that? No, no not, not when you saw the mess that we moved into. And all the things Chad didn't or did do around that, uh, his properties. Well, Mr. Hemming, let me ask you, if you were you surprised when you found out they left so early? Uh, no, not at all. They, uh, they were constantly getting in fights with the neighbors, and uh, it's not a surprise at all that they wanted to get out of there. So I guess as far as you're concerned, it's uh, goodbye, good riddance. Wouldn't that be the best way to put it, maybe? Yeah. 
right. All right. Well, congratulations. You win this one. Okay. Give one for the landlord. It seems like a lot of renters, a lot of tenants have this misperception about the 30 days notice sometimes. If I'm renting an apartment from you and my rent is due on the first of the month and I give you notice any day, let's say July 2nd or July 3rd, I just gave you notice for basically September. In other words, I can be out at the end of August because it's 30 days It's a plus. full 30-day rental period. Right. And, and so you're on the hook through the, the, the whole month of August, and that was certainly the situation here. It didn't really seem to make sense for them to be suing for the $1,000 security deposit, knowing that they owe $1,000 for the rent for that month. Well, that and knowing that they took a door off the hinges and left it there, cracked two right. windows. If you and leave the window broken, I mean, come on, you're letting the elements in, bugs it's in, crazy. and God only knows what else. You don't yeah. want to leave a house in that condition. But, you know, you pointed out also, um, as a tenant, you got to protect yourself every step of the way. And the way to protect yourself in this situation is to do exactly what you suggested at the beginning of the tenancy, not at the end alone. But anticipate you're going to be in a fight over that security deposit. Somebody's going to try and nickel and dime you, keep the whole thing. God only knows. Right. So you got to do exactly what you suggest. Take pictures of each and everything that's wrong with it and right. email them to the landlord. That's part so of that moving there's, in. So that there's evidence of when the picture was taken right. by the email. Right. Okay. Uh, and the same for a landlord. You know, sure. they should be taking pictures of the entire place and showing yeah. its conditions so they can show the before and after in order to keep a security deposit. Absolutely. I mean, you're entering into a contractual agreement when you sign a lease and you rent a place. You need to treat it defensively right from the jump and get out there and take those photos, take the video, and hold on to them or, or email them, as you suggested, to the landlord so that you've got the high ground when the fight comes. Well, Lois wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. Um, have you done any other cameo appearances in movies other than Volcano? Well, uh, yes, as a matter of fact. The first year we did People's Court in New York, uh, I did something on The Sopranos. Even before the show aired, I shot it, and our executive producer of People's Court, David Scott, thought, oh, I don't know about this show. Well, now he knows.